podcast last month, we started this conversation about how can we create a less toxic culture? How can we have a healthy culture in our church and deal with some of those toxic traits that are just holding everything back, right? You can, you can make all the right decisions programmatically and, and, and leading a ministry, and it just all completely implode because the culture itself in your church is toxic. And, and so, you know, again, toxic culture can completely torpedo all your other efforts to lead, lead change uh, that would actually help your church reach people and make a difference in your community. And so this stuff has to be dealt with. You can't just let it sit there and let it continue to ruin everything that God is trying to do. And so it's extremely important that, that you deal with these patterns. So let's recap those first four that we talked about in, in, uh, in, in the last episode. First of all, we talked about clarity of mission and purpose. Right, And so we put that one first because it's the main thing that Jesus asked the church to do. And, and that's, so it's important that that is the main thing. And so guess, guess what? When you put the main thing as the main thing, you're automatically your culture becomes healthier. The second thing that we talked about is constantly reiterating roles. And what we mean by that is just making sure that everybody at all times understands what their role is so that everyone has the freedom to do their job well. And it cuts down on the red tape. And then the third one we talked about is just don't allow gossip. Don't allow gossip. That may seem obvious. Of course, gossip is bad for your church culture, uh, but but make sure that you catch last month's podcast, if, if you didn't hear it, to talk about, uh, to, to hear about how you can keep gossip at bay. And then the last one we talked about last month was just communicate well. Make sure people are in the loop. Make sure that you, people understand the why uh, behind what you're doing and not just the how. So that brings us to the, to the fifth one uh, as we get into these four today. And the first one is cast vision for a healthy culture and celebrate a good culture. We don't think about this one, right? But these two are, are really, really important. Uh, and, and we've already talked about casting clear vision for, for what your church is all about, right? And so you think, well, that's what you need to cast vision about. But actually casting vision for a healthy church culture is extremely important as well. So celebrate when people handle conflict correctly. Um, you don't have to give names, but, but let the church know when you've seen a great example of, of, of following Jesus's commands for dealing with, with issues and seeking reconciliation. Uh, and it's beautiful when it's done right right? It's, it's beautiful. And so you would say something like, hey, relationships are so, so important here. Uh, we want to handle them like the, the, the way that God says to handle them. And so we're not offended when someone comes to us with a concern about something that we did. We're grateful that they care. And, 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 and we go to each other with love. And, and we're all about helping each other become more like Jesus. And, and Jesus knew sometimes that that takes accountability. And so we're not going to run from that. Or, or maybe something like, hey, I love how our various leadership roles work together to support each other without stepping into one another's roles. I love how people on our leadership team are able to honestly share how they feel, but, but when we walk out of a meeting, they're totally all in on supporting one another. Whatever, whatever we came up with as a group, even if they disagreed with it, they're all in on supporting it publicly. I, I love that about our, our, about our church. I love that about our leadership team. You're casting vision when you're, when you're praising those things. And here's the thing. It's, it's kind of like money. We only talk about money when money's low, right? And that's not a good thing, right? Uh, because that's, that's the time when people are most kind of, you know, on edge about hearing about it. But, but when it comes to these types of things in a healthy culture, anytime something goes well, talk about it and talk about why it was good. Also celebrate, you know, uh, you, know you want to celebrate the, the right kind when the right kind of thinking succeeds. A long time ago, I was at a church and I rolled out a plan 
to uh, to the leadership team, and my pa- my my pastor had asked me to work on this, and I uh, had done all my homework. The plan was as rock solid as it could be, but the leadership team hated it. They didn't want any part of it. It required church members to possibly shift their Sunday morning schedules around a little bit. Uh, and it opened up the opportunity to, to reach a whole lot more people. But again, it asked church people to change. And, uh, and so that was just, you know, kind of an unhealthy culture. They were just like, hey, we don't want to change to reach people. We're not willing to change to reach people. Uh, and so I asked my pastor, what do we do? We, 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 we can't grow without this idea. We're kind of capped out. And he said, well, we were there to inform them not to ask their permission. So he's talking about roles, right? Now, I don't know that we communicated that very well to them. That, hey, this is, this is our decision, but we're here to inform you, and we'd love to get your feedback. Um, so he said, we're going to do it anyhow. <laughs> so, but my point is that as the church exploded because of that, we constantly talked about how many more people were being reached as a result of people being willing to put themselves out and shift their schedule to make room for more people. And so we praise the fact, even though some people did it kicking and screaming, the fact that church people changed to reach new people. So um, I, I guess, you know, the, the idea is that, that, you know, we want people to become proud of a healthy church culture. And, and I guess that word proud is, 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 you know, that can be a little bit scary, uh, you, but you want your church people to become proud that they care about the right things and the right way to handle any kind of drama. And not in an arrogant way, again, but in a we delight in what's right kind of way. And so that's, that's the first one. The second one is this, is constant gratitude. Constant gratitude. It's hard for cultures to be healthy without gratitude. When a church has a spirit of gratitude, there is, there's a positivity that is contagious. And it's up the, to the leaders to establish that kind of spirit of gratitude. And we can do this by being intentional to thank people uh, that, that we work most closely with, uh, but also randomly thanking volunteers that we just see doing a great job throughout the church. But here's another thing that I found really helpful. Uh, we start all of our leadership team meetings with deacons and staff and elders by asking everyone to share wins and also to share spiritual conversations. And the reason that we talk about wins up front is it creates a spirit of thankfulness for what God is doing and what we're seeing God do. And it makes us all, if you've come to the meeting thinking, hey, I got, some, I got a real problem that we need to talk about. Instead, it brings the spirit of, well, listen, God's doing a lot of great things. And it changes that spirit to a spirit of gratefulness and thankfulness and, and, and appreciating what God is doing around you. And then if there is something that you still have to discuss that's hard to discuss, you bring it up with a different spirit. And so I, I, I love that. It creates a spirit of thankfulness for what God is doing. It causes us to, to focus on the good things that are happening. And I believe it, it kind of keeps the frustrations in perspective. So the next one is just this, guard who leads. And this one may be controversial. If your church has a system of taking nominations uh, for leadership from the congregation, uh, but there are still some things that you can do. An unhealthy church has people leading that don't buy into the vision. That's scary. People that are leading that don't buy into the vision. They don't give financially. Um, and, and maybe uh, they've even you know, been known to not handle issues correctly, as we've talked about in these two episodes. Um, and that's just a recipe for, for, for a mess, right? And even if you have no control over how the nomination system works, there are still things that you can do to get people in leadership that have the right heart and the right focus. One thing that you can do is suggest that all nominations get vetted through the treasurer. 
I mean, who could disagree with that, right? That, that before you become a deacon or an elder or, you know, whatever, or a ministry director, that the treasurer will vet you to make sure that you are regularly giving. Uh, you're a percentage giver. You're, a, you're, you're being obedient in the area of stewardship. According to Jesus, that would say something about where their heart is when it comes to the mission and the vision of the church. And if their heart's not there, why in the world would you want them in leadership? Uh, another thing you can do is, is institute training for those who are nominated. Maybe um, make the training required for those who wish to move on from being confirmed to voted, uh, voted on. Uh, you know, if you can, if you can kind of put that into your system, uh, again, is that too much to ask, right? Is that too much to ask that you would like to add training? Uh, and, 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 you know, the, 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 the to ask that, that, that the people who are potentially coming on your leadership team would, would be well-versed on how your leadership team functions, what their role is, you know, like, what, like, why would that be a bad thing? Our training goes over um, how, how, how our leadership team functions, what everybody's role is, the idea that we show 100% support when we walk out of a meeting, even if it didn't go our way, uh, how we deal with gossip, and of course, the mission, the vision of our church, and what it means in terms of you know, the fact that we're not going to, say, multiply a whole bunch of ministries as well. We're not going to try to do everything that we can possibly do. We're going to do a few things really, really well. And so we take our nominations for potential deacons from our current deacons. Um, and then those names are run past uh, the, the treasurer and also the staff because sometimes staff members just know things that nobody else might know. Uh, and, and then the campus pastor is going to take that remaining list and sit down with each person and go through the training to see if they would be interested in serving. So listen, now, in, in some unhealthy cult, uh, churches, that system would be looked at as the pastor having too much say in who gets on the team. After all, uh, the staff can, you know, can drop names from that list just by saying, I can't go into detail but there's, there's some issues there that would not make this person a good choice at this time. Plus, the pastor is the one who extends the invitation to, to serve and the person who does the training. So if the pastor has good accountability in every other way, that shouldn't be a problem. It, 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 if it becomes obvious that the pastor's on a power trip, then it can be dealt with because he has accountability in every other way. But far more often, unhealthy churches spend a lot of time trying to make sure the pastor does not get his way. As if the person that God called and has gifted to lead a church should be the number one person who doesn't get to have his way as far as the direction of the church. Uh, and so, you know, what other profession does this happen, right? I mean, just think about that. What other profession does that happen? He is, he is the professional when it comes to how to lead people to reach their community and grow disciples. He spent more time than anyone else studying these things. Um, and so is, is the, it's his biblical role to lead the church. So why are some churches so serious about keeping his hands tied? I, I will never understand that. Uh, but for us, the, the, the point of onboarding leadership team members this way is so that we can protect the vision and the mission. It's not about the pastor getting its way, his way. It's about making sure that the people who lead alongside of him are all in on what we're trying to do so that we're not spending time on sideways energy. And the last one is just this. And honestly, this, is, this one's tough. Always come at an issue with the concern for the other person. When trying to change your culture to be more healthy, you're going to end up having a lot of tough conversations with people. There's going to be people who are gossiping. There's going to be people who don't want the change. 
uh, but are very influential and maybe have good hearts. And so you're going to sit down with them and talk about it. There's going to be people who want to start something that doesn't fit who you are as a church. And in all of those conversations, you need to come at it with a concern for the person. You're concerned because they might be missing what you're trying to say about an area that could push them towards spiritual growth. And, and they don't realize that they need that. Um, you know, you're concerned because they're looking for something in a church that your church isn't pro- planning on providing. Uh, and so you don't want church to be frustrating for them. You're concerned because their frustrations are causing strife with other people. Um, it's easy to, to get frustrated with a person who is kind of getting your church off track and see that person as a, as a threat or a hindrance. But remember to see the situation as an opportunity to have a disciple-making conversation with them. How can you help them take the next step they need to take? You might not be able to help them change their perspective or take a next step, but if you come at it with that attitude, you not only give it a chance, but you also model a healthy way for Christians to deal with each other. And the more you can model healthy conflict resolution, the better. So that's it. Those are our eight ways to, to, to kind of reverse a toxic culture, create a healthy culture. Did, did I miss one? If I did, I'd love for you to drop a comment and, and let us know what you think also uh, should be addressed. As always, if you find the content helpful, we hope that you'll like, subscribe, and share it with other people. We'll see you next month.